This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Gamley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's top headlines. Redistricting happens every 10 years when politicians redraw voting districts to reflect population change. 2022 was a redistricting year, and since Republicans hold the majority in both the House and Senate in New Hampshire, it meant Republicans decided where to draw those legislative district lines. NHPR partnered with the New Hampshire Bulletin to take a closer look at the partisan nature of redistricting that shaped the legislative districts on the ballot this year. NHPR's news director, Dan Barrick, took a look at voting data to explore the effects of redistricting in the New Hampshire Senate, and he joins us now. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Rick. All right, Dan, tell us more about NHPR's data analysis. Where did that data come from? Yeah, this is an analysis we first did several years ago to get a sense of just the historical trends in how fair or unfair uh, the maps that dictate New Hampshire's state house districts are. So what we did is we took basically years worth of elections. We focused just on the state Senate, mostly because with just 24 districts, it's more manageable number. But we took the district level votes. So basically how many votes the Republican and Democratic candidates in each of those 24 districts every two years won in that race. The reason we do this is what we're trying to count for is looking for districts that appear to have been drawn to for a specific partisan advantage. And there's two main ways that you can do that. One is you can pack a lot of one party's voters into one district and basically make it a super safe district. You know, draw the lines in such a way that it loops around lots of different Democratic cities and the Democratic candidate is all but guaranteed to win in that district. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's called packing, where you pack a lot of uh, voters into one district. The other is called cracking, where you basically spread out voters from one party into several districts and try and dilute that party's influence. So you say there's a ring of Republican suburbs, and rather than make all those suburbs one strong Republican district, you might make five districts in which you you pull a few pockets of Republicans into either one. Mm -hmm. By counting the share of partisan votes in each district, you get a sense of how balanced those districts are and whether those districts are specifically designed to give a kind of partisan advantage to a certain party, usually the party that is is the one drawing the maps in the first place. Sure. So what did you find out, Dan, about how redistricting has previously shaped who has influence in the Senate? Well, we found both in our analysis from a few years ago and the one we did just this week, uh, pretty consistently that Republicans have had a strong advantage in the outcomes of New Hampshire Senate races. And that's not necessarily because their candidates have won a majority statewide in state Senate races, but because the way the elections have worked out every 10 years for decades, Republicans have been the ones drawing the maps. And those maps have been drawn in such a way to give Republicans on average about a 10 percent advantage. We looked in several years in which the statewide, if you count up all the votes for state Senate candidates, Democratic and Republican, in many years, the outcomes have tend to be a roughly 50-50 with half of all the votes going to Democratic candidates and half to all Republican candidates. Republicans have still managed to have between a three and a four seat uh, majority in the Senate itself. That is a very good indication of a gerrymandered map. Mm-hmm. And this, is, as you said, has been consistent over the decades when Republicans are in control. Correct. We have a new Senate map with new voting districts um, for this, this election in November. Does this map follow that same trend? It does. And in fact, it looks poised to, to crank it up a notch or two. So right now, the current Senate Republicans have a 14 to 10 advantage. They hold 14 seats to the Democrats' 10. At least two of the districts in the new map that are going to be on the ballot next month seem poised to give uh, give Republicans a pretty clear advantage. One takes what had been a kind of a, a swing district in the last couple of years, District 9, by redrawing that district and stretching it now all the way from Bedford, which is a suburb of Manchester, all the way to the Vermont border, giving that a, a, about a five or six point 
Republican advantage. The other is District 16, which um, includes a couple neighborhoods in Manchester and some Republican suburbs around that, makes that from kind of a slightly Democratic-leaning district to a slightly Republican-leaning district. Obviously, the votes haven't been cast or, or even counted yet, but the map itself seems in position to preserve, if not increase, the Republican advantage in, in the district lines themselves. So obviously, this is going to have a, an outcome on the upcoming election. Yeah. I mean, what it, what it will mean is is that in many cases, the popular outcome of the vote will not be reflected in the makeup of the state Senate. We talked to Andy Smith, a well-known political scientist at UNH, who said given the current maps um, and given the partisan makeup of the state, Democrats on average have to get you know several points above 50 percent even to break even when it comes to winning seats in the state Senate. Uh, what it means is that these maps will have big impacts on representation, on policy decisions, and on the future of the state. And uh, for years to come. For 10 years, uh, yeah. given, given the cycle of redistricting. Of course. That's right. Yeah. And HPR's News Director, Dan Barrick. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. For a deeper dive into the data behind gerrymandering in New Hampshire, you can visit NHPR.org. It's the New Hampshire News Recap here on NHPR. What questions do you have about what's going on in the state? You can always email us at voices at nhpr.org. NHPR, in collaboration with the New Hampshire Bulletin and New Hampshire PBS, hosted debates with the candidates on the ballot this week. Republican incumbent Chris Sununu and his Democratic challenger Tom Sherman met on Tuesday. Here's some of what they had to say about the state's housing crisis. This is not a new problem. This is a housing crunch that under Chris Sununu has become a housing crisis. We've known for several years that this was coming, and yet nothing was happening until it became a crisis, and then he came up with a $100 million plan to do that using federal funds. Senator, many economists point to restrictive local zoning codes as a contributor to this problem. Do you believe the state should ever intervene in local zoning codes to promote affordable housing? And would you sign legislation that overrode local codes? 30 seconds, please. No, I don't think that's necessary. I think what local codes often People in local government often don't have the training or expertise to know how to upgrade their codes. Many of those codes are from the 1960s. So that's part of my plan is to make sure that people have the capacity and grants from the state that would allow that to happen in a way that was that allowed their town to grow the way they wanted to. But people want to have their police, fire, teachers and seniors able to live in their own town. And that's what this would allow. Thank you. Governor, uh, also the same question to you. We've heard for years sure. that we need about 20,000 new homes, and we're still not there. Um, mm. You have a $100 million housing plan, but those funds are limited. What other plans do you have to get us there in the long term? So let's look at what the $100 million really does. Yeah, so the $100 million, uh, again, those grants, we're not talking about it or just putting it on paper. Those grants and that those dollars will literally go out in the next couple of weeks, which is incredibly exciting. Um, that's the first half of that, that $100 million. Part of it is pretty um, uh, innovative in that we are actually incentivizing, because I think Tom's right. You, you can't have a state that just overrides local zoning and planning, but let's create incentives to offset the costs at the local level. No one's ever tried that before. We're going to have a, uh, about $30 million that incentivizes cities and towns to permit the next uh, phase of projects. Tom's also right that uh, folks are, uh, a lot of local uh, cities and towns don't have updated zoning laws and all that. We have $5 million. Those grants are going out as we speak in terms of upgrading their plans, getting the training and expertise they need. We created the Housing Appeals Board because a lot of projects were inappropriately being stopped. And I created the Housing Appeals Board at the state level so folks could have the right checks and balance within that system. A demolition fund so we could get rid of old product out of town. So we're being very innovative about how we're going about it. We're not just talking about it, not just putting it on paper. We're actually investing those dollars and making it happen. That was incumbent Republican Governor Chris Sununu and his challenger, 
State Senator Democrat Tom Sherman in a debate hosted by NHPR this week. Here's incumbent Democratic U.S. Senator Maggie Hassan and her challenger, retired Army General Don Bolduc, during their debate at our studios yesterday. And right now we're going to move to another question for you, General Bolduc, um, regarding abortion. You say you oppose a federal abortion ban at, the, at a federal level. You've said that consistently since the primary. Uh, but in Portsmouth recently, you've said, quote, these other things, we've got to look into them. You were fielding a question related to in vitro fertilization. What other things were you referring to? Well, I have no idea because I don't have reference uh, to that. But bottom line is, and ma'am, I wish you would please listen to me because I can read your mask. I do not support, I do not support a federal ban either for or against abortion at the federal level. It is now a state issue, which she does not understand. I support New Hampshire's law. I support Granite Staters. She lies. I've told her this personally in several venues, and she continues to lie. Her commercials are hurtful. Her commercial about me wanting to murder mothers is disgraceful. It's disgraceful, and it brought my eight-year-old granddaughter to tears. I have worked my entire life to protect men and women and children, my entire life, and I will never, ever put anyone's life in jeopardy. These accusations are hurtful. She talks about working with people. She talks about wanting to get out there on the ground. Well, I've been out there on the ground. I know what these ads do. I know what these lies do. Lying about Social Security, okay, lying move, about everything. We're talking about abortion right now. We're going to move to the center house in a moment. I've got one. I've no got, ban. Support the state law. I will always do that. So no, no role line. for the federal government on any issue touching. No, the, no, no, no. And I've told Mitch McConnell and I've told Lindsey Graham. Okay, Senator, you argue abortion should be a private decision between a woman and her doctor. Do you see any role for the federal government to play in, in regulating abortion or, or should this be a state matter? Um, let's just take a step back for a minute because there's been a lot said over the last couple of minutes about a huge number of issues. But let me talk about abortion, and then I hope to have the opportunity to talk about a couple of the other things that Don Boldick is, frankly, misleading people about. Uh, this is about a woman's fundamental freedom, her health, and her safety. Uh, and Don Boldick has a very long record of extremism here. He said on the campaign trail that he would never vote against anti-choice legislation in the United States Senate. That means he is a yes vote for a nation, national abortion ban. And people can go to uh, BolduckFacts.com and see the videos of Don Bolduck saying these things. Um, he said that we should rejoice when Dobbs overturned Roe v. Wade. The women of New Hampshire are not rejoicing. Uh, and when we have pushed him on this, first he told the women of New Hampshire to get over it. Then he said that oh, gentlemen in the state legislature should make these decisions for us. Um, the problem with politicians like Don Baldick drawing okay, Senator, arbitrary but, lines – I'm but, getting to your question for just a second uh, – arbitrary lines um, in terms of these decisions is that they can, in fact, harm women and cost them their lives in some cases. But so do you believe, though, that the, that, the, that the government should play any role in the regulation of abortion, period? I believe that when the government tries to do that, it can cost women their lives, as we have seen in some states. And I think it is very, very concerning uh, that people don't trust women and their doctors to do 
to make these very complex and often tragic decisions together. But you know, you you were one of the sponsors of the Women's Health Protection Act, which leaves the door open for states to limit abortion after viability. So, so you see that as something that that states should be able to do. I I, I am a sponsor of that law. I support that law. Uh, it would be my preference that neither legislators in the United States Senate. Uh, nor in uh, state legislatures substitute their judgment in complex, difficult decisions for women and their doctors. I also think it's really important that we allow doctors to do their jobs without fear of criminal prosecution. That was incumbent Senator Maggie Hassan and her challenger, retired Army General Don Bolduc, in a debate hosted by NHPR yesterday in collaboration with the New Hampshire Bulletin and New Hampshire PBS. Now, our final debate is today at noon. We'll be hearing from incumbent Congresswoman Andy Custer and Republican Robert Burns. Now you can watch this week's debates and find more of our political coverage at NHPR.org. And, of course, we're here next Friday with more top headlines. I'm Rick Ganley. This is NHPR.